This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Let's just uh, go back to one thing at the end of letter 2 which is basically the Alter Rebbe talks to his Hasidim after his miraculous victory, after he was unjustly, to put it mildly, sentenced to death and was informed upon by his opponents, the Mitnagdim, and the Hasidim were triumphant. And he warns his Hasidim not to feel arrogant or to uh, feel superior to those who oppose them. And he said they should hold on to the attribute of Yaakov, which is truth. He began the letter with quoting Yaakov. Yaakov said, I feel humble by all my success. So too, you have to feel humble by our miraculous, his miraculous freedom. And that's the sign of a Jew. You feel humble, there's no arrogance, there's no haughtiness. And how do you see that practically? How you treat your former your enemies, your former enemy. And he says we should grab on to the attribute of Yaakov, which is truth. And the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe said that had had the Alter Rebbe not added this one word, truth, he would have had another. I think he said forty or fifty thousand Hasidim. But but the Alter Rebbe demands truth. And this is a very profound statement because, and this is very relevant to our day and age, to the times that we're living in. Because what the Rebbe is basically telling his Hasidim is to be apolitical. This whole split between right versus left, it's really a, it's a distraction. There's not a lot of truth there. And we see that in our country. No matter who you elect, right or left, you get the same, the same result. It doesn't matter who you elect. This whole dichotomy is really... It's, people get so caught up in this... They box themselves in politically. I'm right and I'm left. And the left hates the right. And the right can't stand the left. And each one insults the other. And each one curses the other. And each one hates the other. And each one curses the day that the other one was born. And the insults are flying and hurtling. You turn to a right-wing station and the insults and the put-downs. You turn to a left-wing station, the insults and the put-downs. But it's all political. It's all farce. It's a farce. It's artificial. And the Alter Rebbe is telling us that Hasidim, Hasidim of the Alter Rebbe, Chabad Hasidim, have to rise above the fray. We have to love all Jews, whether they're right-wing or left-wing, whether they're conservative or liberal, whether they're ultra-conservative or ultra-liberal. How do you rise above the fray? 
This is the quality of emes. It's the divine attribute of emes, of genuineness, of godliness. Because right, left, they're really two sides of the same coin. In politics, you see it clearly. But amongst the Hasidim, other Hasidim, not Chabad, many of them did fall into this trap. Because the Mitnagdim, those who were opposed to Hasidim, were like the left wing, with all the arrogance that come with the left wing, and with a sense of superiority complex, we know best, we have to control we have to tell the masses how to live. They don't know what hit them. We are the ones. We are smart enough. We're clever enough. We're the elite. And we have to tell everyone. And we have to control things. Hiding behind intellect. But really it's all about control. The Hasidim were like the right wing. In a sense. They believed in the individual and the dignity of the individual instead of government control or, or you know the elite controlling and deciding trusting in the people trusting in the average person trusting in the sixth sense that the people have what's truth and what's not truth and what's real and what's not real empowering the individuals and this divide between the right and the left was very acute with Hasidim. With Hasidim. Hasidism versus the Mitnagdim. Then it was even more acute. Then it was life and death. They tried to murder the Alter Rebbe, literally, by having him imprisoned. And they li- it was a libel. They basically accused him of supporting the enemy of the Russian Tsar, the Turkish. Why? Because Alter Rebbe <laughs> was in charge of sending money and supporting the, the little tiny Jewish community in Israel then which was under the Ottoman Empire. So they falsely accused, his opponents went to the government and informed and falsely accused he's sending money to the Turkish government. Of course, nothing could be further than the truth. He was sending money to the Jews who had no way of earning a living in Israel. Israel was then, uh, it was a swampland. There was nothing there and there was no way to earn a living. And the small Jewish community that existed was supported by their poor brethren in Russia. And al was in charge of sending, making sure to send those monies to support that community. So they basically created this blood libel and tried to have the Alter Rebbe killed and removed from the scene. Only because of, he was the leader of the Hasidic movement. They tried to bury the Hasidic movement. So it was very vicious. Almost like what's going on today. The viciousness. It, it, it's incredible. I mean, you can't, you can't listen to one side or the other because the viciousness and the hatred and the vitriol and the... You know, I, I don't think it, would, it was ever like this. I mean, I don't remember going back many years ago, it wasn't as vicious as it became today with the name-calling and the insults and the... You know, they used to fight and then they used to go play together, you know. Like, it was like, you know, you, you didn't take it too seriously. You had different opinions and that's, that's legitimate. Just like you have Hillel and you have Shammai, you have right and you have left. That's legitimate. There are people who are by nature are conservative, there are people who are by nature are liberal. And that's totally legitimate. But there's no need for the personal hatred. But when it becomes so personal and so vicious, as it has become today, that's what, that's, that's what it was like then. And then it was life and death. Even in Israel today. 
very vicious. And it was life and death there. The Mitnagdim tried to kill the Hasid. Literally, and they actually did kill a few Hasid. We don't like to dwell on that history, but they did. It became that vicious. They dehumanized the Hasidim. Those in control, the, the establishment, the opposition, the establishment, they demonized the Hasidim. And literally, a few Hasidim died as a result. Literally. Not just figurative. But we don't like to talk about it because we don't like to dwell on the negatives of our fellow Jews, especially after what Al-Durabi writes in this chapter, in this letter, letter two, letter 2. But the other Hasidim did view, not Chabad Hasidim, not the Al-Durabi's Hasidim, did view the opponents with a very dim light. And they did hurl insults on them. And they did insult them and humiliate them and call the spade a spade. The truth is, each side deserves each other. The viciousness of the right wing in this country today is a result of the viciousness of the left wing. Because their arrogance is so impossible to take, all in the name of objectivity and intellect, but it's really all about control and power, that it just, it just brings a response. You know, nature just, just brings a response. One responds to the other. Each one hates the other, and each one points out all the faults in the other, and they're both right. So the other Hasidim did fall into this paradigm of right versus left. In the writings of, of, the, Hasidic, of the first Hasidic writings, told us Yaakov Yosef, which was like the first Hasidic book that was printed and viciously attacked by the Mithnagdim, by the opponents, he hurls very insults on the Mithnagdim their arrogance, he points out correctly all their weak points and their arrogance and their impossible haughtiness and their he wipes the floor with them very sharply and everything that he writes is 100% true and correct and he was repulsed by it, he literally genuinely was repulsed by their whole attitude, their whole position the whole he just couldn't take it all wrapped in the name of scholarship using their scholarship to control the masses and the people hiding behind their scholarship there was no humility no genuineness no respect for the simple Jew for their fellow Jews and he points out At one time, during the second generation of the Hasidic movement, Rabbi Dober, the teacher of the Alter Rebbe, things became so bad that one of the students, Rabbi Shlomo Karliner, went to uh, confront the opponents. And he was told, I think Rabbi Dober, the Magad, told him that it should be bechesed uberachmem, he should be gentle and merciful. Anyway, he came to the synagogue and all the leaders of the opponents of the establishment were meeting, plotting, conspiring against the Hasidim. And he got so angry that he, using his Kabbalistic powers, the house they were meeting, the whole house burnt down, and the opponents, the Mithnagdim, barely escaped with their life. And the whole thing was canceled, all their plots and their... When he came back to the Mizrich. Rabbi Dover said, I thought I told you it should be with kindness and with mercy. 
He says, Rebbe, it was. They all escaped with their life. <laughs> that, that's how deep the feelings were on each side. It ran very deep. But the Alter Rebbe was the only one amongst his colleagues who would not become part of this. And he wrote this whole letter. Don't reciprocate. Don't reciprocate their anger and their vitriol and their don't look down and don't fall into this trap of right versus left. We have to be above it. Because the nature of God, the nature of the truth is emes. Emes is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the middle letter, the last letter. Emes is absolute, it's divine, it's godly, it includes right and left and center. It's above this whole split, this whole dichotomy between right and left. Don't fall into this trap. Don't fall into this divide that artificially divides one Jew from the next. And only the Alter Rebbe could say this. Chabad Hasidus. And this was expressed in two incidences. One is at the end of Rabbi Dovber's life. And the, the, uh, the persecution of the Hasidim became unbearable by the establishment. And the Hasidim couldn't take it anymore. And they decided on their own to excommunicate those who were excommunicating them. And the Alter Rebbe did not want to have a part in it. But at the end, I think they forced him that he should become part of the quorum. And they excommunicated back all those who excommunicated them. That night, they were all asleep. Al Rebbe pretended to be asleep, but he was really up. And they heard their teacher come in. He heard his teacher, Rabbi Dov Ber, the second leader of the Hasidic movement, come into the room where all the students were asleep. And he walked on crutches. He was ill and he was physically ill. He was walking on crutches. Al Rebbe heard his crutches. He pretended to be asleep. And he says, because of what you've done, he just spoke. They were all asleep. But Al Rebbe heard. He was like speaking to himself. The Rebbe was speaking to himself. Because of all that you've done, you, you'll, you're going to lose your head. And that year, their teacher, the head, passed away. But one thing you did accomplish. That whenever there's going to be a conflict between the Mitnagdim and the Hasidim, the Hasidim are going to win. And then he came to the Alter Rebbe, and he was, he was walking around with a candle. He was walk, and he shined the candle on the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe appeared to be asleep. And he says, it's amazing that this little Jew going to light up the world till Mashiach comes. He's talking about the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya. And then he went back to his room. And he passed away that year. A few, many years later, the persecution got worse because the Hasidim was spreading throughout Russia, throughout Eastern Europe. It was spreading like wildfire. They captured the imagination of the Jews. Three quarters of the Jews of Europe became Hasidim. Eastern Europe and the Mitnagdim, the opposition, the opponents, the left-wingers, the establishment, they, were, they went wild. They were losing it. And they literally lost any restraints. And they started telling lies. They came to the Vilna Goyen, who was the leader of the Lithuanians, and they told them lies, literally lies. One of the lies they told them, they brought two witnesses who testified that the Hasidim ate on Tisha it was true. 
but they forgot to tell them a minor detail that that year Tisha B'Av fell out on Shabbat, <laughs> which not only allowed to eat, they're not, not allowed to fast. It's a mitzvah to eat. It's such thing. Another thing they told them that the uh, eyewitnesses came and testified that the Hasidim they saw the Hasidim they had no mechitza in the men and the women. A minor detail. They forgot to tell them it was on Simchas Torah. Like any shul in the world, they open up the mechitzas on Simchas Torah. When they're dancing with the Torah, the women can kiss the Torah. And the Balshamta's daughter used to come, and the women used to come in the back of the shul and used to watch it. Like many other such lies, which are literally lies. That's how desperate they became, the enemies of the Hasid, using dirty tactics. Just like the politics that's going on today, it's so dirty. There's nothing that they won't stoop to. There's no dirt that they won't use to malign, hurt, besmirch, destroy another person's good reputation for no reason. That's, that's the level of the politics today. It's become so disgusting and repulsive. You just want to say a pax on both of their heads and they both deserve each other and we don't deserve any of them. But that's how vicious politics has become today. There's nothing inspiring. There's no one inspiring they all define itself by each other and by insulting and humiliating and degrading and denigrating. You know, you can have the best teacher in the world. But the moment the teacher starts using curse words and starts insulting, he loses any effect he can have on his students. The students just tune him out. You can say the most brilliant things and everything that you say can be correct. But the moment you lose your temper and the moment you start insulting and cursing, you've lost it. No matter, you have, you lost any stature that you have, you can have no positive effect anymore. And that's what you hear today. You hear any talk show, right wing, left wing, the insults and the de- degradation one to the other instead of treating people like humans. Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean that I have to treat you and insult you. When you insult another person, you're only insulting yourself. You stoop to their level, you, you have stooped to that same level. And, and that's what it has become today. And it's, it's very dysfunctional. It's not healthy, it's dysfunctional. And that's why we're stuck. And that's why this country is going down the drain. Because it's, everything has been reduced to the lowest and everyone defines itself by each other. So no one is listening anymore to ideals, idealism. Everything today is about winning at all costs. But that that's, gives you a taste of how vicious Jewish life was 200 years ago. The conflict was so vicious between the right and the left, between the Hasidim and the Misnagim. But it reached a very, very, almost a breaking point. The Hasidim couldn't take it anymore. They couldn't handle it. So they wanted to do something very, very drastic. Drastic times call for drastic measures. They wanted to excommunicate the Vilna Goyen. Serious excommunication, because he excommunicated the Hasidim. The Alter Rebbe's colleagues traveled to consult, they wanted to get the Alter Rebbe on board. They wouldn't do this, such a drastic move, without the Alter Rebbe's consent, because they knew the Alter Rebbe was the author of the Code of Jewish Law. He was appointed by Rabbi Dovber as their, as their Rav. He is the halachic authority, and they respected him, and they knew how much he was beloved by the Rabbi Dovber, their teacher. So they wouldn't make such a drastic move without his support. They came, the Alter Rebbe greeted them, he came outside, such important guests. Each of them was a leader of another portion of Eastern Europe. It was like a king, a Rebbe, a Ch- Alter Rebbe took them into the room. And then the, 
the son, the Alter Rebbe's son, Rabbi Dov Beru, later on turned out to be the second Lubavitcher Rebbe, was sitting and studying in the outer room with his colleague, Rabbi Aaron Shashele, and they heard screaming coming from the room, loud voices. Rabbi Dov Beru went to the room and he listened to the conversation. And the screaming got louder and louder. And then the Mittler Rebbe fainted. The son of the Alter Rebbe fainted. He heard what, what he heard. He was he, he just fainted. The Alter Rebbe was telling, was arguing with his colleagues. He says, I cannot agree to this. Because when you excommunicate the Jew, and the excommunication that they had in mind was the ultimate excommunication possible. And these were the holiest Jews in the world. He says, when you excommunicated a Jew like that, what happens is you cut him off from his soul. You cut him off from his divine source. And what happens is this Jew could convert to Christianity. Convert out of Judaism. He says, when you take such a, a, a giant like the Vilna Goyen and you're going to do this to him, it's going to cause such a desecration of God's name. I can't allow that to happen. I don't care what your intentions are, and I understand how desperate you are, but halachically, I just can't allow this to happen. And they were so sure of their position, and they were arguing very stridently. When the Alter Rebbe said, my final word is, I disagree with you, and I'm against it, and I will not participate under no way, no circumstances. They cursed the Alter Rebbe. They were so angry that they cursed Alteret. And it was a personal curse. And it was a curse that these were holy Jews. It was a curse that actually affected Alter Rebbe. One of his children affected him very badly. When the Mittler Rebbe heard this argument and heard the curse, he fainted. And it, it, was, it took him a long time to revive him. He was sick for a long time. When you, when you understand all this background, you can appreciate what Alter Rebbe is saying in the letter too. Alter Rebbe, unlike all of his colleagues, was trying to educate his, his Hasidim not to fall into this trap of right wing versus left wing, us versus them. He says, This is not the emes. This is not the divine truth of Judaism. The divine truth of Judaism, we have to be above the fray. We have to know God is not right and God is not left and God is, God is right, left, center, absolute, all of the above. It's all, it's all one. Don't get caught up in these false artificial divisions we have to be above it and it's only when you're plugged in and connected to emes the divine truth the divine absolute truth absolute divine truth of Hashem and His Torah then you can rise above it that's why the Torah itself is right and left and center the same Torah teaches us kindness and to be gentle the same Torah tells us to be tough when the need arises, you have to take a gun and you have to shoot. There's no pacifism in Judaism. The same Torah that teaches us to be gentle and kind and merciful and compassionate and considerate and sensitive and delicate, the same Torah says when the time comes, you have to be ferocious like a lion and you have to be tough and strong. It's not humanly possible. How could one person be conservative and ultra-conservative and at the same time be liberal and ultra-liberal at the same time? People who are gentle and kind are always gentle and kind when it's appropriate and when it's completely inappropriate. They're pacifists. When the time comes, you have to take a gun 
totally inappropriately pacifist and gentle and kind. We can't. People who are tough are always tough when it's appropriate and when it's totally inappropriate. They don't know when to be gentle and kind and soft and loving. Because humans, by nature, we're either right or we're left. We're conservative or we're liberal. We're kind or we're tough. It's almost impossible to find one human being to be tough and at the same time be loving. And to be totally loving and at the same time be totally tough. It's not within the human capacity. It's only when you're connected to Torah, when you're connected to the divine, when you're connected to MS, to the divine absolute truth, which is the first and middle and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is consistent 100%, then the same human being could be right and could be left. And then you can love every Jew. Whether he's a chassid, he's a right-winger, and God blessed them all. Whether he's a left-winger, he's a metnagin, an opponent, an arrogant, stuck-up, impossible, impossibly haughty, clueless. doesn't matter. We have to love all Jews. This is what the Alter Rebbe demanded from us, Hasidim. His own approach to this whole conflict between Hasidim and Metnagin. He demanded this approach from us, Hasidim. And the truth is, Alter Rebbe embodied, and Chabad Hasidism, and the Tanya embodies both of these approaches. Because then you take the best of both worlds. The best of the liberal world, which is progressiveness. You always want to change. You're always looking for something novel, always for something new, for something dynamic, something exciting. The world is constantly progressing. On the other hand, you take the best of the conservative world. Core things don't change. Truth never changes. Something that's classical has been around for 3,800 years. There's a reason it's been around for 3,800 years. Because it's real. It's not a, a, a flash in the pan. It's not something that here today and gone tomorrow. Something that endures for 3,800 years. It's a truth. It's a core, solid truth. It's a rock of Gibraltar. This is a foundation. This is an underpinning that never changes. This is a lighthouse. This is real, unyielding and unchanging because that's how deep it is. So you have the best of both worlds. You have unchanging principles. But on the other hand, you're always dynamic and vibrant and thinking of new ways to express your Yiddishkeit, but on the other hand, you appreciate that Yiddishkeit doesn't need any embellishment. Yiddishkeit never changes. Core things never change. You love it and appreciate the exact same tefillin today. looks exactly the same as it did 3,300 years ago. The same Shabbat candles you light today was lit with Sarah lit 3,800 years ago. Core things don't need change. You breathe the same way you've been breathing for the last 80 years. Thank God. It doesn't change and hopefully it won't change for a long time. <laughs> So you have the best of both worlds. You're ultra-liberal and ultra-conservative. And it's that dynamism, that ability to not, be, not fall into that trap, not fall into that artificial split between right and left, liberal-conservative, religious and secular, intellect and faith, ego and soul, heaven and earth. The whole essence of the Torah is we should rise above that. And therefore we can reconcile opposites, we can blend harmoniously what appears to be opposites. And that's the ability of the Chabad Chassid, more so than any other 
to reach and to communicate every Jew. Whether they're a reformed, conservative, orthodox, unaffiliated, atheist, right-wing, left-wing. Because we are apolitical. Not because we don't care. We care very deep. And we know all the faults of the left. And we know all the faults. But we don't get caught up in it. And we can love every Jew unconditionally. Without falling into that me versus them, right versus left. Without emes, without the divine emes, without the Torah, without chatanya, without the Chabad approach, you can't help but fall into that how do I define myself? By what's opposite of me. The contrast. How do you define up? By what's down. How do you define joy? By, by the opposite. How do you define right? By left. But when you're connected to the divine essence, the absolute essence of Hashem, just like God doesn't need anything, there's nothing outside of God. God doesn't need anything else to define Himself. Because we are a relative existence. Any relative existence needs something else to define itself. You need a point of contrast. What does up mean? If there's no down, up means nothing. If there's no left, what does right mean? It means nothing. If there's no truth, what does false mean? If there's no heaven, what does earth mean? If there's no... So I need... This whole universe is a relative universe. So it needs contrast. Points of contrast. Dark, light, joy, sorrow, bitterness, sweetness, day, night. I need that point of contrast. Good, evil. I need that point of contrast to define it. Otherwise, it has no meaning. The only exception is... God himself. God is an absolute reality. Nothing exists besides God. God doesn't need anything else to define himself. And therefore, there could be absolute good. When Mashiach will come, there won't be any evil anymore. There'll be all good. How could there be all good? What's the meaning of all good if there's no evil, there's no contrast? When Mashiach will come, there'll be no death, there'll be all life. What do you mean? How could there be life without death? Mashiach will come, there'll be all joy. The simchat olam al rosham, the eternal joy. You won't be any sour sorrow. What do you mean? If there's no sorrow, what's the meaning of joy? Mashiach will come, there'll be all light. There won't be any shadow. You won't need shadow to define the light. It'll be all good. There won't be any evil. How is that possible? Because God's essence, God's absolute truth, doesn't need anything else to define it. And therefore, Jews believe with every fiber of our being and every bone in our body, it's, it's etched into our core, into our essence, into our being. A world of Mashiach, which will be all good, all life, all joy, no pain, no illness, no sorrow. The human mind can't even wrap himself around that concept. How is that possible? A relative being can't understand that. But because a Jew has a piece of the divine essence we can connect and relate to and yearn and aspire and we've been working for 3,800 years to bring to reality this reality, this truth, this world to reveal and unveil this world, a world where there's only good, where there's only an absolute. There's no right, there's no left. All there is is one, the absolute truth of Hashem. So when you're connected to the absolute truth of Hashem, there's no looking down at another. There's no look creating divisions. Us versus them. The Jews in Israel versus those outside of Israel. Right versus left. Secular versus religious. Hasidim versus the opposite. All those divisions fall by the wayside. They're nonsense. They become nonsensical. That's what Alter Rebbe is trying to drill 
into his chassid. It's no wonder why this is the second letter, because this is so profound and so significant and so powerful. And this captures almost more than anything else the uniqueness of the Alter Rebbe, the uniqueness of the Tanya, the uniqueness of Chabad, the Chabad approach versus all the other chassid. And you don't find this approach anywhere. Only the Alter Rebbe has this. Even when he himself suffered, he was the one who suffered the brunt of the viciousness of the left, of the opposition, of the metnagdim, of the establishment. He almost died. And yet he writes, God forbid to whistle. God forbid to say, aha. God forbid to even carry internally a sense of triumphalism. And he warns with a strict warning. But instead, we should be humble and we should love everyone. And if our opponents don't respond in kind, if we love them but they can't reciprocate, they can't abandon their viciousness. And here the Alter Rebbe was right. They did not abandon their viciousness. They weren't capable of abandoning their viciousness because the troublemakers were rotten to the core and were vicious and it was all about a power grab and it was all about power. But no one says openly it's about power. The person behind power doesn't admit it's all about power and control. He, he shields and hides behind highfalutin, well, I'm here for your goodness, I'm here to help you, I'm here to save you, I'm your savior. Just like the left today. But it's all arrogance, ego, power. You know, but it's a pretense. But nevertheless, even if they're not capable, because their souls are so miserable, they're not even capable of responding in kind with love and honesty and genuineness and gentleness and truth. That's their problem, not my problem. I have to treat them respectfully. If they can handle it, maybe they will. Maybe the heart will respond to the heart. So I can hope that the heart is a mirror. If I love them, they can't help but loving me in return. But if not, it's not going to affect me. I will not be pulled down into this, into the gutter. I will not be pulled down into this artificial dichotomy between right and left. We have to love everyone, respect everyone, learn from everyone, and treat everyone with unconditional love. This is what Alter Rebbe demanded from Sassi. This was not negotiable. And that's why he lost 50,000 Hasid. <laughs> had he not added that word, the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe said, had he not added that word, be MS, one word, MS. If he would have just played along like everyone else, right versus left, we won, and now let's bash the lefties, the opposition, the mitnagdim, those arrogant ones, he would have had another 50,000 chassidim. Because that's the natural way. That's how we're wired. Right versus left. But al Rebbe demanded something that no one demanded before. Something to rise above the fray. He demanded the quality of emes, divine truth. For that you had to work. This doesn't come naturally. It's not your natural disposition. This is godly. This is divine. For this, you have to rise above your nature. This demands work. Hard work. Not everyone was ready for that hard work. People are naturally, instinctively right-wingers. They like to bash the left. Just like the left likes to bash the right. To demand that you rise above this whole right-left dichotomy and don't bash anyone and be loving to everyone... This demanded a lot of work, inner work. 
And this is what separated the men from the boys. Alter Rebbe says, if you're ready for this work, you're my chassid. If not, find yourself another Rebbe. You're not for me. I'm not letting you, I'm not letting you get away with... Uh... So this is what the Alter Rebbe demands of us. This demand hasn't changed. We have to be empress. Don't fall for these for the politics. Even holy politics. Don't fall for any politics. We have to be apolitical. And when you approach another Jew with apolitical, that's why Chabad is so beloved in all segments of the community has made inroads in every segment of the community. Because Chabad is apolitical. We don't look at a Jew as right-wing or left-wing or atheist or religious or not religious or secular or religious. Every Jew has a soul. Every Jew has a piece of the divine essence. We're all brothers and sisters. We love you unconditionally. Whether you reciprocate or not, you understand it or not, that's, that doesn't change anything. You're still my brother, you're still my sister, and I love you unconditionally. It doesn't matter my right arm or my left arm. I'm not going to slap my left arm. I may be the right arm, you may be the left arm, but who cares? We're all one. It's inseparable. I'm not going to hit myself. We're all, we're all in this together. If we start looking at each other that way, we're all in this together. And there's no right-wing Jew, a left-wing Jew, a religious Jew, a secular Jew. There's no such thing. Every Jew is holy. Every Jew is a piece of the divine essence. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all family. We're all one. If we all looked at each other this way, in an apolitical way, and there's no opponent, misnagdim, there's no chassidim, there's no orthodox, non-orthodox. A Jew is a Jew is a Jew. We start looking down. We stop looking down at each other and started looking up and respecting with genuine respect. Then Mashiach will come. This is what the Alter Rebbe demanded of his chassid. This is letter number two. Any questions, comments, thoughts? Yeah, I have a question. Okay. This goes to the heart of the citizens. It's all about ego. If it wasn't for the ego, you wouldn't have to take sides. It's all about ego. And ego, there could be a holy ego. But that's, it's ego. That's my question because we have a situation today in Lombardic, which is a holy ego. Definitely holy. And yet it's a division. Yes. Wherever there's division, it's ego. And the problem is a holy ego. Now, holy ego could be delusional. People like to wrap themselves up in holiness and uh-huh. think they're holy. Uh-huh. Really has nothing to do with holiness. It's a naked power grab. It's about money and power and control and cluelessness and arrogance and all the wonderful qualities that human beings possess <laughs> by nature. But they, they would never admit it. I'm a coarse, crass human being. They say, no, I'm holy. I'm fighting for God. I'll kill you for the sake, for the name of God, I'll kill you. Uh, like all holy religious warriors throughout the ages. But it has nothing to do with God, nothing to do with pure ego. But then there is also genuinely holy ego. In other words, we all have our natures. A person, you can't change your nature. A person who's conservative will be conservative no matter what. Whether it's economically, you'll be conservative, and there's other areas in your life conservative. And becomes a religious person, will become religiously conservative. But his nature is conservative. There's a person who's liberal. When he's secular, he's a secular liberal. It's an extreme. When he becomes religious, he'll become a religious liberal. But your nature doesn't change. Even if you become, you change, you become a religious person, you're personality won't change. Your character won't change. If you're essentially conservative, you're conservative. If you're essentially liberal, you're liberal. That's not going to change. It's very rare, almost impossible, for a person to switch, to change your personality and character. 
it's 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 almost impossible. It's possible, but almost impossible. Because that's our nature. It's deep rooted. It's who we are. That's who I am. I'm not going to pretend I'm not who I am. A person who's tough will always be tough. Depends how you express that toughness. When you were wild, you express that toughness in one way. When you become mature and responsible, you express that toughness in a, in, in, a respons- in a responsible way, in a healthy way. But your nature doesn't change. So when a person becomes inspired and becomes religious and becomes connected, and, but his basic nature will remain. So if he's conservative, he will become conservative. And if he's independent and loves respects the individual and respects individuality and doesn't want anyone controlling him and doesn't want someone's central figure telling him how to live and controlling him. I mean, this is a serious discussion between the liberals and the conservatives in this country. It's a, it's a very serious discussion. It's a very legitimate discussion. Do you want the government to control everything? Do you want some smart Alex sitting over there and he's going to figure it out and he's going to control everything and he'll tell you how to live, which is totally insulting to the average individual person. And, of course, we know the results. Nothing the government touches works. Because <laughs> it's all based on ego and arrogance. It's about control. On the other hand, you have a very deep-rooted philosophy you hold. No, trust. Unleash the power of the individual. Let the individuals. Don't control them. Don't stifle them. The greatness of this country is based on the individuals, even the simple person. Allow them to flourish. Get out of their way. The government should get out of their way and allow... This is a serious, legitimate discussion. Of course, between all the insults being hurtled and all the... Uh, you don't hear that discussion. All you hear and all you remember is the mudslinging. And therefore, everyone tunes out because no one can hear it anymore. But if a person who's essentially conservative by nature, even when he becomes Hasidic, he'll be conservative. And he can't stand someone who's liberal. But that's ego. How do we know it's not ego? Shammai and Hillel. Shammai and Hillel were liberal or conservative. Opposites. And they fought like cats and dogs, sharply. But at the end of the day, they loved each other. They respected each other. They married each other. It was never personal. When a liberal and conservative have an argument, that's legitimate. And it's okay, and it should be that way. Because God created us different, and we think differently, and we're wired differently, and our whole underlying assumption of reality is differently, and Hillel sees the cup is half full, and Shammai looks at the same reality and says, no, the cup is half empty. The prosecutor and the, and the defense, they're looking at the same reality. The prosecution sees all the negativity, and the defense sees all the positive. Not one is right and one is wrong, they're both right. It's legitimate approaches from the top down, from the bottom up. Two different approaches to life. It's deeply rooted. That's how God created the world. There's a right and there's a left. And there's a right hand and there's a left hand. That's okay. It was never personal. The moment it becomes personal and mudslinging, then the person deludes himself that it's holy and it's his ego. This is not Hashem. This is not Emes. It's not the divine attribute of truth, the absolute truth of Hashem, the absolute truth of His Torah. Because in Hashem and His Torah, He doesn't tolerate any split and dichotomy. There is no right and left in the Torah. Well, there is. Shilal and Shammai. In the law, the halacha, there's a Hillel. Hillel is a liberal, and Shammai is a conservative, the right and the didn't left. Some, didn't certain opinions serve it? 
Kamaya and become law? I mean, no, law is law, but there are legitimate differences. Uh, we, we learned that, we discussed that many times in the time. But then there's the law. But it's never personal. The moment it gets personal, and that's what happened when Al Rebbe wrote the letter. The fight between the Hasidim and the Musnagdim became very personal. It became bitter, harsh, dangerous, personal, mudslinging. The Rebbe says, this is wrong. Not only wrong from the Misnagdim against the Hasid. We shouldn't reciprocate. We shouldn't get into the we shouldn't get into the mud with them. We have to be above this. And today in politics, it has become totally personal, vicious, and that's why you know it's all false. And a pox on both of them. And that's why in the last twenty years, no matter who ran the country, the country is just sinking deeper and deeper in the hole. Because it's all politics and it's all lies, it's all ego. No truth, no light, no elevation, no inspiration, no genuineness. Because it's personal. When one won't talk to the other, one, everyone calls each other's names, insults the other. This is, this is false. This is totally false. And you deal with, um, in today's world, like with a lot of Jews feel that, that, we, that we go to a Chabad house that I've seen. And they'd be like, you know, I come here for the food and to, and to hang out with Jews. But you know what, I don't, I don't really believe all this rabbit stuff here. Every case is different. You know, you can't make any generalizations. You have to know Avram, who was the kindest person in the world, when someone came to his house and he fed him, and he asked for nothing in return. All he asked was that the person should say grace after the meal and thank God, the creator of heaven, for providing such a beautiful meal. And he says, no, I'll thank you. You provided me. I don't believe in God. And the same Avram became tough as nails. Because when someone is drunk... How do you sober up someone who's drunk? you got to slap them around. So sometimes when a person is so arrogant, and you're describing a particularly egregious case of arrogance, because most people, when you come to someone's house, and he's feeding you, and he's hosting you, would you start insulting him? I mean, which normal guest comes into someone else's house and starts insulting? It's abnormal. It means a person is so clueless, a person is so drunk on himself, his ego is so coarse and so crass, doesn't have the tiniest ray of menschlichkeit, appreciation. A person can come in someone else's house and eat, eat him out of his house <laughs> and take and, and without even showing one drop of appreciation, drop of humility, drop of thank you. And while he's beneficiary of that kindness should insult, that's a very sick person. Frankly, it's a very, very critically ill person. Emotionally, mentally, and psychologically, this person is very sick. So 
But who deals with the sick person? Only a doctor. You have to know what you have to do. So, listen, the rabbi has a little experience. Uh, on a case-to-case basis, sometimes you have to be sharp. You have to be sharp. You have to know who you're dealing with. When you're dealing with someone who's so sick, who's out of his mind, who's insulting like that, sometimes you've got to slap him up just to, just to get, get him to his senses, to sober him up. I mean, how could you come? You're benefiting and speak like that and to be insulting like that it's just it's just it's inhumane like in the years of the other there was a situation like this where they would actually be joining and they were they separate yeah they, they wouldn't the they were no they, yeah. they, they excommunicated the chassidim they they, 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 they I didn't know we do that in, in the Jewish it's reserved for very uh, severe, severe uh, cases. Yeah, Spinoza was excommunicated. Right? It's reserved for very, very severe cases. <coughs> but in general, Al Rebbe is saying the general approach has to be. Listen, the Rebbe also. I'll tell you a story. One time, someone came by the Rebbe for dollars, and he was a Jew for J. For those who don't understand, Jews for Jesus. And he had a whole bunch of pamphlets with him. And he started telling the Rebbe. <laughs> so while he was speaking, the Rebbe took all the brochures that he had from his hand, put it right in the garbage, right in front of him. And the Rebbe said, you should know that you're a very sick man. You're a very sick person. You need help. You need urgently need help. And the reason I'm taking these brochures, I don't want you to give them out to anyone else. And the Rebbe kept on saying, you know, you're a very, very sick person and you need, you need help urgently. So, you know, this is like Avramavin. You can be kind and kind, but when you have someone who's sick enough to come and try to talk to the Rebbe about Jews Vijay, you know, it's... <laughs> you know, so, so you have to know, you have to know, a doctor knows... When a patient is dying, you have to do what you have to do. You can't, it's not a time to be gentle. When a patient is dying, you've got to take emergency measures. But, but, but the, doctor, the doctor doesn't condemn a person. A doctor can take a needle and do very sharp things. But before a doctor puts a needle, he cleans away the germs, washes away the germs. A doctor's mission is to heal, not to judge. When a person comes before a doctor, let's say a person has AIDS, comes before a doctor, it's none of the doctor's business how the patient got AIDS. Oh, you have AIDS, really? Hmm. What are you doing? How are you living your life? It's none of his business. The doctor's business is to be compassionate and to heal the person. Now, to heal the person, sometimes it means you have to cut them open, you have to give them an anesthesia, you have to give them a sharp needle. Yeah. But his, he's not judging. He knows what he has to do. He's a doctor, he's a professional, and a person is sick and he's dying, and he knows what he has to do to save the person's life. He looks at, I'm saving the person's life. I'm not condemning, I'm not judging, I'm not punishing, I'm not taking revenge. So only a doctor who has that attitude has the right. He is the one. And that's in this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion we read about the leper. The leper, someone who sinned, spoke Lashon Hara, was slandered another person. Can't control his mouth. And he would break out with leprosy. 
But who is the one who condemns him? Who is the one who can render him a leper? Only the Kohen. Even if the Kohen is a child, or the Kohen is a minor, or the Kohen is ignorant, and he has to rely on the scholar who knows the laws, the intricate laws of leprosy, and the scholar has to look at the leper and tell the Kohen what the laws are. But only the Kohen could be the one who could condemn another Jew. And what's this punishment, the leper? You ostracize him. He has to be sent out of the camp. He can't live with people. He has to be quarantined. So the Rebbe explains, the Torah is telling us, only a Kohen who's a lover of Jews, that's the nature of a Kohen, like Aaron, he loves all Jews. Only he could condemn another Jew. He's like a doctor. A person has a problem. He needs drastic healing. He has a drastic problem. He needs drastic healing. We have to quarantine. When he quarantines someone, it's very drastic. Kick him out of the community. You quarantine him because he has a problem. He can't control his mouth. All he can do is condemn another person, throw vitriol on another person, insult humiliate, denigrate, his arrogance and arrogance is just impossible to take when you deal with such a person you have to quarantine him, you have to kick him out of the camp he doesn't belong, he's not fit for human civilization but who can condemn him to that? only someone who loves him, who's like a doctor he loves him but he knows what he has to do and it's a very sharp cure but he does it with love, there's no, there's no judgment, he doesn't judge the other person doesn't condemn the other person so when there comes a time when someone comes in and acts in an egregious way, especially when he's doing it in public, which is insulting and humiliating, and, and, and when your Rebbe is being insulted, you have an obligation to stand up for his honor. You can't just allow your Rebbe to be insulted like that. You have an obligation. You must stand up and, and defend his honor. So, but, so the rabbi knows what he has to do. He's like a doctor. So you have mercy on this soul. This person is such a dark soul. He's such an arrogant so impossibly egotistical, egomaniacal. He's clueless of how coarse and crass he is, how low he's fallen, how sick he is, and how ill he is. So the rabbi knows what he has to do, and sometimes you've got to slap a person who's drunk. You've got to slap him up, sober him up. You have to slap him up, you have to slap him up. I'm saying, so it depends. You have to know, like a doctor. You have to know which case is what. But in general, Alter Rebbe says, don't fall into this trap. I am right-wing and they're left-wing and I hate all left-wingers and I hate their arrogance and I hate their ego-maniacalism and I hate their, their, their false piety and their hiding behind. That's not, don't fall into that trap. Me versus them. Be above the whole thing. I'm not right and I'm not left. I am with Hashem. Hashem is apolitical. God is not right and God is not left and God is right, left, center, all of the above. God is transcendent. God is absolute truth, absolute unity. That's the party that I belong to. I belong to Hashem. I belong to the story. And if I can't look down at anyone, I don't get caught up and trapped in my own ego nature. My own ego nature is, yes, maybe I'm right-wing by nature and I hate all left-wingers. Maybe I'm left-wing by nature and I can't stand all right-wingers. I think they're too narrow-minded. I think they're too square. Left-wingers feel very progressive and very openness, open-minded. Their brains fall out. But whatever it is, don't fall into that trap. Don't start defining yourself and labeling yourself. That's what Alter Rebbe is trying to say. And this is heroic. To be able to live that life, to rise above, to become apolitical, this is emes. That's why Alter Rebbe would have had another 50,000 Hasidim. What Alter Rebbe is demanding is not for the faint-hearted, it's not for the weak. You have to be strong and you have to work on it. It doesn't come naturally, it doesn't come instinctively. Alter Rebbe spends a whole letter, a very powerful letter, a very profound letter.
This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.